0: My friends in Christ, each year on this final Sunday of the Church's year, we celebrate this wonderful feast of Christ the King. And each year, even as we tend to pull out all the stops with glorious music, flowers, bells, candles, we get a none-too-gentle reminder not to get too carried away with the trappings of royalty. The reminder invariably comes in the Scripture readings— It came today in the reading from the second book of Kings, where we met the young King David, a king minus any majesty, a king who was really more shepherd of the flock than mighty ruler. The reminder also came in the reading we just heard from Luke's gospel, where the kingship of Jesus was a matter of mockery, and with good reason. For what kind of king... Hangs helpless and dying on a cross between a couple of common criminals. I find it hard to preach on this feast without taking note of Pope Francis and how beautifully he embodies the kind of kingship that Jesus stands for humble servant kingship. As you know, Pope Francis isn't much into frills, fuss, folderol, he's all about simplicity. And humility. He never plays the royalty card. He has famously referred to such things as, and I quote, the leprosy of the papacy. With Pope Francis, it's never about pomp and privilege. It's about the poor and those on the periphery. They are his priority. And of course, they should be the church's priority as well. Every leader in the Church, and I very much include myself, should take a chapter from Pope Francis's book, never taking ourselves too seriously and looking for ways to be in touch with the people we are called to serve. This feast is not very old on the Church's calendar—less than a 100 years, actually. The Church went for nearly two millennia without a feast honoring Christ the King. It wasn't until the years between the First and Second World Wars that Pope Pius XI put on the Church's calendar this Feast of Christ the King. For good reason. Various forms of totalitarianism were on the rise in Europe. Fascism in Italy, National Socialism in Germany, Communism in the Soviet Union, And as a counterpoint to those godless grabs for power that denied basic human rights and trampled human dignity, the Pope raised up the figure of a very unlikely king, Jesus Christ, a king with no wealth whatever, no riches, no armies or weapons other than truth and love, and no territorial ambitions other than human hearts. It is this servant king, the suffering, crucified Christ of today's gospel, whom we honor today and every day as our King. Christ the King. Too often in its long history, the Church has lost sight of what sort of King Christ is, letting itself get seduced by the pretensions of power and the trappings of royalty, or, to use Pope Francis's telling expression, the Church has become self-referential, inward-looking, self-absorbed, caught up with itself and its power and its prerogatives. The result? In turning away from the humble ways of Jesus, the Church has taken on the tactics of the very authoritarian movements that this Feast of Christ the King is meant to counteract. That's a far cry from Jesus who demonstrated His authority not by edicts or pronouncements, but by kneeling before his friends and washing their feet. My friends, it's important for us to be clear by what we mean and what we don't mean when we call Christ our King. Over the Sundays of this past year, we have moved chapter by chapter through Luke's gospel and have met there a Christ who is quite surprising, not only for what he said more importantly, for what he did. Surprising, too, for the company he kept. In fact, if we would follow this Christ, this king, I suggest that a good place to start would be to look at the company he kept. Here's a little rundown of his company, taken right from the pages of Luke's gospel. They're quite a bunch. I think you will agree. The lowly shepherds at the manger. The poor, the hungry, the mourning of the Beatitudes. The unlettered fishermen who were his inner circle. The sinful woman who crashed a dinner party to wash and anoint his feet. The poor woman with the hemorrhage who only wanted to touch the hem of his garment. The lepers who kept calling after him, Master, have pity on us. The cheating tax collector Zacchaeus with whom Jesus insisted on dining the dying thief of today's gospel. Those, my friends, are the company of Christ the King, his royal retinue, if you will. We have met them all this past year, Sunday after Sunday, and each of them should be a reminder to us, a powerful reminder, that if Jesus is a king, he's a king like no other. For what king worth his salt would waste his time with that long list of losers. My friends, may our celebration of this wonderful but potentially misleading feast remind us not only of what sort of king Christ is, but also of what his kind of kingship means for us and for the company we keep.